My name is Allie. I live in the Midwest, but I'm from California where my parents, brother, and extended family of cousins, aunts, and uncles live. My biggest concern right now are my parents. Both of my parents are in their middle 80s and they live in their own home in Northern California. They are at least an hour and a half away from the closest relative. I worry about what they are doing or more accurately, not doing to stay safe. They are old school. They do not use Purell. Trying to get them to wash their hands for 20 seconds under warm water is like asking them to fly. They have lived in drought conditions in Northern California for so many years that the thought of letting the water run for two minutes until it gets hot is so foreign to them. And yet they still need to get groceries and supplies, which puts them at risk. Not only are their age an issue, but my mother is in especially frail condition, having gone through a series of traumatic mental and health conditions over the last two years. As anyone who is caring for aging parents know, aging couples who are trying to stay independent rely on each other to live. So if one of them can't function, neither of them can't function. For the first time, I feel totally helpless. My mere presence puts them at more risk. So all I can do is call every day, say hi, check in, say the same old thing about washing hands and Purelling, knowing that they're not doing it. This is such a hard time for everyone. I think the hardest part is feeling helpless, knowing that there are so many people out there who are a lot worse off than we are and not being able to help in a more meaningful way. Just sitting at home, knowing that people are out there suffering is just really, really painful right now. That was Allie, who like so many others across the country is trying to figure out how to care for and support her aging parents in the era of COVID-19. Thank you for your submission, Allie. Without question, being a caregiver under normal circumstances is a job that can test your physical, mental, and emotional well-being. But COVID-19 is a jerk. It's made an already tough job even tougher. And on top of that, it's making it harder for our loved ones and the most vulnerable in our society to get the care they need to live their best possible lives. This is Beyond Normal. Hey everyone. I'm Nate Matson, and you're listening to Beyond Normal, a podcast that explores what it takes to cultivate and maintain our well-being in this time of national and global crisis. My team and I at The Big No bring you conversations with thought leaders across different facets of health and well-being to understand and teach others what it takes to be well in today's world. And let's face it, right now, that can be really hard. Today, I want to talk about caregivers, the unsung heroes in our society who care for our elderly, our loved ones, and our most vulnerable. Caregivers are all around us. They're our friends, our family, they're people like you and me. And every day, caregivers work tirelessly to provide care for their loved ones, helping out with so many different things in life. They pick up the mail and pay the bills, they help with getting dressed and bathing, they hand out medication and run to the grocery store, and they often pay out of pocket. It's a stressful job that's only been made more stressful by COVID-19. It might seem like a double-edged sword, but as today's guest will explain, all is not lost. If you're a caregiver, there's support out there for you and things you can do to ensure you're providing the best care possible for your loved one, even right now, while simultaneously keeping your own self-care and stress levels in mind. Melanie Merriman has spent decades working with hospice and palliative care providers across the country, assessing and training some of our top medical professionals on how to administer better care. She's a regular contributor to public radio programs and has written extensively about hospice and palliative care. Her book, Holding the Net, Caring for My Mother on the Tightrope of Aging, recounts her own personal experience as a caregiver for her mother. I think it's a must-read for anyone who's caring for a loved one or who has a loved one who may be entering a stage of life when they need more care. This is a very important conversation, and I'm so happy to be having it. Melanie Merriman, thanks for joining me today. 
It's great to be with you. Thanks. You know, first off, Melanie, how are you doing right now through all this craziness? You know, like everybody else, Nate, I have good days and bad days. Um, but for the most part, I will say I'm doing very well. I'm particularly lucky to live in the suburbs where I can get outside. And I'm used to doing a lot of my work virtually anyway. As I said, I'm one of the lucky ones. Can we lay a foundation here? Who are the caregivers in this country and why are they so important? The caregivers that I am most familiar with and that I speak to in my book and that I speak to when I speak around the country are those who are caring for seniors, for older adults. And those people are going to be family members, spouses, daughters, sons, nieces, etc. But they're also going to be some professional caregivers, those in senior living facilities, assisted living facilities, those kinds of things. And you know why I think they're so important is because our seniors, even if they're still doing well, are in a period that I've come to call the tightrope of aging. And it's just a time when physical and mental decline, even a little bit, makes life a little more precarious. And the caregivers are important because they are the ones who are literally holding the net while these older people are really trying to navigate in a world that's gotten a little harder for them. So as I alluded to in the intro, caregiving is already a really tough job for a lot of people. How has COVID-19 made that even harder? Well, I, I don't think there's any question that their level of anxiety, their level of worry about the person they care for is obviously skyrocketing. They're struggling to really keep their home free of the virus so that if anyone gets sick there, they can take care of them. Meanwhile, they're also thinking about loved ones who are far away. They might be confused about how to accomplish caregiving tasks in a safe way that keeps everybody safe from COVID-19. I know for me, just going to the grocery store now feels a little bit like I'm suiting up for battle. So if you're really trying to take care of an older person, trying to stay safe is going to really feel dangerous. I think if they've got people living in their own homes, they're worried about being careful, about making sure they don't go out to the grocery store. They're going to be frantic about being able to see and check on their loved ones if they're living, again, far away from them or in senior housing or nursing homes, something like that. And they're going to be anxious about whether those facilities are taking the kinds of care and doing the right things that they need to be doing. I think the other thing we don't think about a lot is that these caregivers have always been juggling whatever's going on in their own lives with caregiving, but now those things are getting more troublesome. So childcare is now much more difficult. They might be homeschooling. They're trying to care for their loved one while also taking on these additional responsibilities. I think for the most part, they're afraid about getting sick themselves or if their loved one, the one they're caring for, gets sick, we're having a real healthcare crisis right now. So they're going to be worried even if it's not a COVID illness, even if it's a heart attack or a stroke or a fall, there's real concern about how to get good healthcare right now when all of the healthcare facilities are overwhelmed. What can caregivers do right now to A, stay healthy themselves and B, keep giving the care to their loved ones and the people they're caring for who rely on them? I guess one of the things I want to say is that making your own health a top priority is essential right now. I think caregivers in general will tend to put themselves second, and this is not the time to do that. It's never been more important, as we say, to you know put your own mask on first. I think the other thing is that caregivers really need to let other people help them. 
again, they tend to be, uh, I'm not going to say martyrs, but they tend to think nobody can do this as well as I can. But now is the time they really need to recruit a team to help them, not only with care for their loved one who needs a net, but also for the other increased duties and obligations that they face outside of caregiving because they're really trying to balance. Can you talk about caregivers who care for someone in their own home? Maybe they have a an elderly relative staying with them, what should they do? You know, the most important thing is keeping the home clean and not just clean, but disinfected to the extent that you can. I think also making sure that everybody in the home is using the safe practices that we all know about, the hand washing, the wiping down doorknobs, those kinds of things. I think what you really want to concentrate on is keeping the virus from getting into the home And then also having a plan in case it does, in case somebody in the house gets sick, how are you going to handle that? What about somebody who cares for somebody outside of the home? I think that idea of bringing the virus in, once we go outside, all bets are off. How do you ensure that you keep the the virus from coming inside someone's home? If the person that you're the caregiver for lives in their own home. You know, I'm thinking about Allie at the top of our podcast here. You know, her parents are living in a completely different state. What you need to do is try to help them to stay calm and to stay home. You want to keep COVID from getting into your house or anybody else's house. The best thing you can do is stay home and keep your home clean, right? But some of those loved ones who live in their own homes are dependent on in-home health aids or other kinds of services. So you might have to look at changing those routines a little bit. Maybe you have to find a live-in. I think the other thing you want to do for people that you're not living with, like Ali's not living with her parents, is figuring out all different ways to reduce isolation. This social distancing, of course, you know, is no contact within six feet. But there's a lot of contact that can happen outside of six feet and even across states. So video chats obviously have become very important. If you're in the same neighborhood or live close enough, visits from the front yard and lots of connecting by telephone, I think are really important. You want to do what you can to keep these people busy and engaged so that they're not just sitting there getting scared and bored. What can we do if our loved one is in a senior living facility and receiving care from professionals? Yeah, I think this one is really hard. People in nursing homes are just very, very susceptible. They're frail. There's no question about it. And even in assisted living and senior living where, you know, people could be fairly vibrant now that they're having to stay in their own little apartment or whatever it is and their anxiety levels are high, that's making them even more vulnerable. I think the main thing that caregivers can do is talk to people at the facility and find out exactly what they're doing to keep the facility as clean as possible and make sure that they have a plan in case someone in the facility is infected with COVID-19. How are they going to really try the best they can to reduce the spread of that? I think The other thing is to think about, particularly for people in like assisted living facilities, but also in nursing homes, they're often used to having a lot of social interaction. 
you know, they go downstairs to play cards or they have meals together. And all of that has gone away. They're going to be feeling even more isolated than they might have been before. And to some of them, they weren't really feeling isolated at all. And now they are. So again, it's just upping those contacts with them. And I've been looking at a number of these ways that you can set up a video chat and you don't have to use a computer. You can use a device. Um, so this would be the time to really look into getting something like that, I think, for your loved one. I think one of the important things is to try to keep them away from the television. There's just a lot of really bad news coming through on the television. And I can tell you, it's really hard to avoid. So I think if there's ways that you can keep them busy and engaged so that they're not just drawn to sitting there in front of the TV, send them puzzles, send them games, send them audiobooks, anything that will entertain them when they can't be with their friends and you don't want them to be entertained by television. I got to say, one of the biggest joys I've had in my own life is speaking to some of my elderly relatives or my loved ones, watching them figure out how to use the uh, the video chats. And they're learning because they have to. Oh, yeah. And then I think some of them are really starting to love it now because being able to see your family members is is really important, especially for these people. I've never used it with my family before. And now I'm, it's like, uh, well, why would I ever use the phone again? <laughs> exactly. You can spin up a Zoom chat within a minute or two. It's great. Okay, what about the rest of us maybe who aren't caregivers? What can we all do to help caregivers and caregivees? You can turn to some of the advanced care planning discussions and actions that we all put off until, oh, look, we have some extra time on our hands right now. I think there are some people who would look at this and say, oh, I don't want to think about it, and I especially don't want to think about it now because it actually might happen. But the truth is that it's never too early to be prepared for these kinds of things. Not everybody's going to get COVID, and lots of people who get it are not going to die from it. It's still always a good idea to know about where people keep their documents. This is obviously your loved ones. What are their passwords for the computer? Have they done estate planning? Do they have a living will in addition to a will? Do they have a healthcare surrogate? You know, those kinds of things. I think we can all be looking at those. What are some practical ways we can keep our environment safe, not only for our loved ones, but even for ourselves right now? Well, I think the most important one is imagine that the virus can sit on any surface that has been outside of your house or that has touched anybody that's been outside of your house. And I know that everybody wants to have these Clorox wipes, and but I don't know about your stores. You can't get them in my stores. The fact is you, you don't have to have a fancy Clorox wipe. You can do the same thing with any of the normal cleaning things, uh, Formula 409, Mr. Clean, Pine Sol, anything like that is a good cleaner and the virus will disintegrate in any of those kinds of cleaners. Keep the hard surfaces in your home, you know, wipe them down, especially if your loved one's in the home, the person you're caring for, and they're gonna be touching things, wipe them down several times a day. Don't give them your phone without wiping off your phone, and when you get it back, wipe it off again. If you're out in the store and you use your credit card, when you get home, of course, you're going to wash your hands, wipe off your credit card. Thinking about all of that, and, it, and it's hard to get your moves down. In terms of just, though, your individual safety practices, I mean, everybody knows what they're supposed to do. Wear gloves, wear a mask, wash your hands a lot. But, you know, it does take some thinking, like 
even going to the grocery store, like I said, you know, I have to figure out when to put my mask on, when to put my gloves on, when to take them off. So I'm not touching my car with a glove that has touched everything in the grocery store, you know, so you've got to sort of think about getting your moves down. But the other thing, if you've got a lot of people living in your house and you've got young children, et cetera, I think one of the big issues is compliance. Everybody knows what they're supposed to do, but are they really doing it? You don't always know if there are teenagers or children in the family or older people in the family, put reminders up. You know, the bathroom is a great place. You're, you're in there, put a reminder above the toilet and put one on the wall across from the toilet, <laughs> you know, that says, wash your hands, put one on the door where you're going out that says, wash your hands, you know, put one on the mirror, whatever. I think reminders like that are probably going to help everybody with compliance. And the other thing, you know, everybody's supposed to wear a mask when they go out. But the biggest thing with this virus is you get it, it comes in through your eyes, your nose, or your mouth. The virus wants mucous membranes. One of the best reasons to wear a mask or a scarf around your face is it keeps you from touching your face. You know, if you get the virus on your hands, that's not going to infect you. It's when you then touch your face uh, or your, again, your mouth, your nose, or your eyes. What are some practices to keep COVID-19 out of the house? Well, the best one is to not go out. <laughs> so, you know, if you're, if you're home and you never go anywhere and you never let anybody in, it's pretty hard to see how COVID would get in. Um, although even in that case, I mean, my husband, I go out once a week to the grocery store and that's about it other than going for a walk. But we clean the doorknobs in the house every day. Anyway, I don't know if the mailman touched the doorknob when he dropped that package in front of my house or whatever. And, you know, the truth is somebody's going to go out at some point. So again, just go over with them what they need to do. You know, if your kid is the one who's going to go pick up the mail or go to the grocery store, you know, go over with them all of the cleanliness safety practices. Make sure they wash their hands when they come home and all that kind of stuff. I want to pivot here a little bit to what if COVID does get into the house? Then what do you do? What should caregivers and the caregivees do at that point? I think basically if it does get into your house, the best thing you can do is you need to isolate the person who has the COVID to the extent possible. If you have a separate bedroom, a separate bathroom, you want that person to literally stay in there. They do not come out for meals food is taken to them and the person who took it then washes their hands. Better to use paper plates if you can for those people, plastic knives and forks. You really want to isolate them the best you can. If they can't have their own bedroom and bathroom, then you just have to step up your cleaning in those places. Nobody can sleep in that bedroom with them. So maybe somebody has to go sleep in the living room. So you really do need to do the best distancing that you can possibly do. That seems so tough under certain circumstances? For example, like what if somebody needs help getting dressed or going to the bathroom? How do you manage that? We started with if COVID gets into the house, you isolate the person, right? Okay, so now we're kind of on to, okay, what if the person who has COVID is the caregiver or the person that they're caring for, right? Everybody else can take care of themselves. Okay, so again, you need a plan for if the caregiver gets COVID. And that plan might include then bringing one other person in the house, some other relative, you know, who would be disinfected, you know, in whatever way, 
and who you know has been symptom free for at least 14 days. And you may need to bring in another caregiver. You may need to bring in a paid caregiver who has tested negative and again, is as safe as you can be. If it's the person that you're caring for who has COVID and to your point, they have to have help with dressing, showering, whatever, then the caregiver just has to take all the same precautions that they can that would be taken in, let's say, a hospital. If you can't get hold of a gown, a hospital gown, which you probably can't, use a bathrobe or something you can take off as soon as you leave and wash it in the washing machine. Wear gloves, wear a mask, wear, if you, even if it's sunglasses, wear sunglasses. Again, keep your nose to your mouth and your eyes covered. Use the gloves and put something on that you can take off as soon as you leave and throw in the washing machine. And that's about the best that you can do, I think, in your own home. Hmm. That's so tough. Yes, it is. Because we want to hug people, right? And especially people who are sick. And you're a caregiver, you know, and you want to sit there and hold their hand and read them a story. And well, I think Allie said it best. Like she's just never felt so helpless. I, I will say though that with those precautions, you know, take heart that you are able to care for this person while they have COVID. And I guess the last thing I would say about that is just to be super vigilant if the symptoms start to progress make sure you get the person to a hospital. There's no such thing as wait and see with progressing COVID symptoms. You know, if they're moving along, get the person to the hospital. Elderly people in nursing homes and in assisted living facilities, they already have a bit of isolation. Can you speak a little bit to how this, how COVID-19 is making an already isolated population even more isolated and maybe what we can do to temper that? Being socially isolated, you know, in one of those facilities typically means that you probably don't have a jillion friends and you know maybe you see them at meals but you don't really see them at other times just not being able to see your family members who used to come and see you all the time um, feels that way and then so many of these people are now being confined to their rooms my mother-in-law and her husband live in a two-bedroom apartment in a senior facility independent living but they are not allowed to leave their apartment now. My sister-in-law who lives right around the corner cannot get in to see them. They're not only feeling isolated, they're going stir crazy, you know, because they're really in this small space. And I think about people who live in one room in an assisted living facility, for example. So when I think about what you can do for them, I think the most important thing is talking to them often and trying to be calm yourself, but also asking them, you know, what are you worried about? When is the toughest time of day for you? Is there anything I can do to help you with some of the things you're worried about, like your finances or anything? I think we often assume that we know what people are worried about. Maybe you just start with, are you worried? <laughs> you know, are you feeling anxious? Um, I honestly don't think my mother-in-law feels anxious. I think she just feels like a shut-in. You know, that, so I think, you know, asking them how, how are they really feeling and um, what they're most worried about, it just makes it more acceptable, I think, to talk about those things rather than wanting them to be stoic in some way. You know, every day I'll turn on the TV and I look at or I hear about the nursing homes and there's an outbreak in a nursing home or a care unit. A lot of the, the people who are dying from COVID-19 right now, they're dying in these care facilities. What's really heartbreaking to me are these people who are dying alone 
Can you speak a little bit to the, just to the loneliness and, and the isolation that COVID-19 is bringing to these populations and this idea of dying alone is just so heartbreaking? You know, you're 100% right. It, it is one of the things that is most heartbreaking, whether it's COVID-19 or like I said, a heart attack or a stroke. I mean, the stories that I'm hearing are you take your loved one to the emergency room and you just don't see them again if it turns out to be a fatal illness. I can't even imagine what that's like for the person who's dying alone. And I do know that hospice and palliative care professionals are also training lots of other healthcare professionals right now in how to be with people who are dying. But I think it's really hard also on the people who love them and want nothing more to be with them while they're dying. What, what I've told a lot of people is, you know, you don't have to really go to the dark side and really imagine the person's death. But there are some things that you want to make sure get said before someone dies. It's never too soon to say those things. Ira Bayak has written a wonderful book called The Four Things That Matter Most. And he said, the things we want to tell people are, forgive me, I forgive you, thank you, I love you, and then eventually goodbye. And again, it's just never too soon to say those kinds of things to the people you love. I think the other thing that comes up if you're concerned that your loved one is really in a, a severe decline is wondering about end-of-life care planning. That is practical issues like paperwork and passwords and things like that, and also financial and estate planning and about what we call advanced directives. You know, what do they want? What are their healthcare preferences? So I think those are some of the things that make it really tough. So let's flip the uh, situation for a second and talk about the caregivers. Do you have any advice for uh, maybe some mom, dads, grandparents, and people like that who might be listening right now? What can they do to maybe help out the caregivers? The inclination of these older people and this was my mother's mantra was, I just don't want to be a burden. Their inclination is to sort of constantly prove how independent they can actually be. So I guess my message to you, if you are the one who has a caregiver, if you're the caregivee, even if you don't think you need one, but you have one, is now is not the time to prove how independent you can be. The truth is, we know. We know that you're basically independent in normal times. But as you, Nate, have said, we are beyond normal here. In fact, we are way beyond normal here. I would say don't be your normal self. Don't be your normal independent self. Now is the time for you to let other people help you. And really, that is the smartest thing that you can do, um, is to let other people help you. Acknowledge what kinds of things would help you. Talk about what you're worried about. Tell them what you want or need to stay safe. And, you know, the other thing I was thinking about is, you know, I'm 68 and I have never lived through any kind of a worldwide crisis like this. I've never lived through any really big turmoil. I live in Florida, so I've had hurricanes and that kind of thing. But this is, a, this is something on a worldwide scale that I have never seen. When I think about some of our elders, you know, they got through the Great Depression, they got through World War II. Share those lessons with us. What was it like to go through the Depression? And what was it like to see the New Deal, you know, come into place, infrastructure projects and people getting jobs? I mean, right now, nobody can go out, but 
I hope we're thinking about doing those kinds of things when more people can get out. Tell us what it was like in World War II. I mean, my mother used to talk about rationing and I would be like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds like it was really hard. Oh my God, go to the grocery store. You're only allowed one of this and one of that because we're going through rationing now. So I think that's something that older people can do for younger people and younger people should ask them. You know, it's a great topic for these conversations instead of, you know, how are you? What are you doing? Oh, I'm so scared or whatever. It's like, you know what? I need your help, mom and dad, to give me some positive advice about how to get through this. So I, I think that's some of the things that these older people can do for us. And it, it really opens up the dialogue too. What, a, what an opportunity to just speak to your loved ones about something that they probably don't speak too much about these days. We like to end each podcast with some tools or strategies to try right when we end this conversation. What is one thing or a couple things caregivers who are listening can do right away to help make this era of COVID-19 a little less stressful? I'm going to pull out three things that I just want to re-emphasize. One of them is this idea of making a plan. And I'm talking about a paper and pen plan. I'm not talking about thinking about what you might do because then it just rolls around in your head and makes you crazy. Paper and pen, make a plan for yourself, make a plan for your home, make a plan for your loved one. How are you going to keep the house clean and what are you going to do if something happens? Because I think that sense of preparedness um, can really help you to feel calmer. When you have a plan, you don't have to scramble when there's a crisis because you've already thought about it ahead of time. I think the other thing I would emphasize is recruiting others to help you implement whatever that plan is. So include others in your plan. Tell them they're included in your plan. That niece or nephew who you're hoping will step in if you get COVID, for example. You know, recruit people who say, yes, I'm down for that. And again, part of that is the taking care of yourself. And, you know, the third thing, uh, and we've already talked about this, but I want to emphasize it again, is that caregivers need to think every day about how they're going to care for themselves and keep themselves safe from the virus. And we talked about all the different reasons that caregivers don't think about self-care, but now is the time that it's most important for them to put their own mask on first. This has been a really great conversation, but unfortunately, we're to the end. I want to thank my guest, Melanie Merriman, for sharing her incredibly valuable wisdom with us today. Thank you, Melanie. It's always a pleasure to talk with you. I learn so much from you every time we talk. But before you go, if people want to connect with you or learn more from you, how might they do that? First of all, let me just say thank you for giving me the opportunity. I think everybody is searching for information right now. And I really appreciate the way the big no works hard to get the right information out to the right people. If anybody wants to contact me, I have a website. It's melaniemerriman.com. Just click on the contact page and you can essentially send me an email from there. Excellent. Thank you so much, Melanie, and uh, take care. Thanks, Nate. If you want to learn more from Melanie Merriman, Being by the Big No offers an online course taught by her. In it, she covers what it means to be a caregiver. She gives tons of great tips and tools for spotting if your loved one needs more care and what type of care they might need. She differentiates between the types of care, from assisted living to nursing homes. She covers aspects of -of end-of-life planning, and she even explores self-care for caregivers, something that is incredibly important, yet often swept to the side. I think it's one of the most important courses we've produced, and I encourage you all to give it a try. Look, 
I know what we all want. We all just want to get back to normal. But we have to accept that normal, it's over. And if we really think about it, for a lot of us, normal wasn't working in the first place. Normal was making us stressed out, normal was making us sad, normal was making us sick, and normal was making us bored. We can do way better than that. We can go beyond normal. Beyond Normal is a production of The Big No, where renowned experts teach the skills of health and well-being on demand. You can learn more about our licensable and custom health content solutions at thebigno.com. That's thebigknow.com. The Big No would love to hear your personal stories about how this coronavirus nonsense is affecting you right now. We may feature your stories in episodes like we did in today's. Thanks again, Allie. If you're up for it, simply use any audio recording device you have handy and capture a few minutes of your thoughts, feelings, fears, hopes, whatever you want to say, and then email that recording to beyondnormal at thebigno.com. Thanks in advance. Beyond Normal is produced by me and Tom Godfrey. Assistant producer is TMR. Our music theme comes from premiumbeat.com. The show is edited by Damon Kaler, and I'm your host, Nate Matson. Bye-bye.